1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy.
0: Fall guy. That's what the poster said?
1: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13.
0: All right, folks. Welcome back to the Mountain West Wire Football Podcast. Yes, it's been a while. We needed a break as well from stuff. So keep checking the website out mwr.com that's where you can find it subscribe on iTunes Stitcher tune in anywhere you get your good old podcast I'm joined by Matt Kennerly and we're going to talk some news today.
1: Absolutely. Matt.
0: There's a lot of I mean talk there's, to. there's a lot of
1: it. That's the that's the upside of not recording a football podcast for a <laughs> while as it gives you a lot to talk about.
0: There yeah, there's a, a good a good amount of news. We didn't schedules didn't work out. We didn't want really to talk about the final three bowl games, so maybe we'll do a quick hit on each of those really quick. But we have New Mexico coaching, Fresno State coaching, um uh East West Shrine game stuff happened. runtaven taven Quarver, Tarver, he looked pretty good. He did. Lots of stuff we'll talk about. There's a good old flea flicker, coaching moves, and I guess we'll backtrack for a moment to go to the bowl game just really quickly. We will have probably a show. We'll we'll kind of suss out a schedule during the end of this to figure out more consistent Because we're not leaving during the season Just a few weeks, that's all. Mm-hmm. But we will kind of weave these into what's going forward. So let's should we go back to the let me ask you this, Matt. What did you think of the canceled bowl game? Because that's one of the ones we didn't get to.
1: I'm a little disappointed. I'm still a little disappointed because I thought that that was going to be a really good defensive matchup at a minimum.
0: Yeah, that game watching it, because it's middle of the day. I'm like, great. I work evenings. I could watch it live and not worry about wait till later. But then rain, thunder, lightning, planet the Cotton Bowl. Boise was down 7-0 early, but it would have been a good matchup. And then you know what the dumbest thing was about this? Is that... There's a couple of dumb things. It would have been a great matchup, I think, because Boston College are pretty good. They're not amazing, but it's a, it'd be a good challenge. It'd be a decent opponent to play against, have they finish out with A.J. Dillon, their running back, who probably would have been a good match for match with Madison throughout the game. But I remember a tweet, and Boston College fans were getting all over I think we mentioned it, too, about... Boise State fans were smiling, leaving the game or something, like, after the hours of waiting. and they. Tried oh, yeah, to... that was
1: the uh, the Boston College defensive coordinator.
0: Yeah, and they tried to make it a, be a big deal about, oh, they're... they didn't want to play, they are excited. I'm like, no, it's like, dude, why do you have to make everything about anything? And then said our players are angry and mean and upset. I'm like, I guarantee the Boise guys are probably, oh, crap, this sucks. We're not, especially guys who are playing their final game ever, not like Brett Ripon or... Madison guys who will play more football. What about the guys who never play ever again football because this is it for them? I'm pretty sure they were pretty upset they didn't get to play one game, or at least even if they didn't play, hang out on the sideline and watch their team play well, hopefully. Exactly. And I'm like, that's that's a bunch of crap. Like They were probably upset, but probably also, okay, we're out of here. We're having a fun time. We're hanging out. We're leaving because they didn't want to sit in the game for six hours and play at 8 o'clock at night. Yeah, I
1: wouldn't blame them, yeah.
0: The only thing they probably could have done better because they knew the storm was kind of coming, is maybe TV-wise is an issue, but I don't know. Have it later in the day? I don't know what they could have done to make it better because the weather cleared up in the evening, like early evening.
1: Well, the one thing that everybody pointed out is why don't you have a backup plan? That's true. As opposed to just trying to wait it out and seeing what happens.
0: It's also a reminder. This is the first postseason FBS game to be canceled since Pearl Harbor struck Hawaii when Hawaii and San Jose State were supposed to play a game. Yeah. Back in the 40s. So it's pretty rare. But what does their backup go up to? It backup, backup What do you mean backup plan? That same day, a couple days later? What would be the case? That's expensive for everything involved. Yeah,
1: I mean, I don't know. I guess to a certain extent, weather is impossible to plan for.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: was just. I think it was maybe the optics of the thing that really put everybody off.
0: Because the weather didn't look terribly out there. It was just lightning. Not just lightning, but it was it a monsoon rainstorm flooding or sleet or snowing it was the lightning was the issue because it was rain did play it wouldn't matter yeah and i don't know maybe later in the day sticking on the espn app or espn news or something could have done so people like we'll go down to uh, jerry roll 20 miles away i'm like that's not realistic at all <laughs> to move everybody i guess the best thing they could have done if they saw potential weather like especially like i lived in that area of the country a little bit f- further farther south lightning storms were a big deal they could come and go quickly it may mm-hmm. not, there may, like, and I also lifeguard during the, I su- know summer's different than winter, but when I lifeguard in summer, like, you have lightning, no rain ever, it could look not overly clear, but you've seen those days where it's partly cloudy, and then there's lightning in the distance, but it yeah. looks, it's not that, or lightning that covers the sky, it never rains, it's just a threat of something, we have to get rid of the pool, same thing, you can't have lightning there, because metal helmets metal bleachers everything all Mm -hmm. that stuff there so the only backup plan they could have done was let's play the game at night because going another day would have been even six hours later would have messed over all the people who were bought tickets especially plane tickets because game was middle of the day some people's flights could have been 8 p.m in dallas that Mm -hmm. night and so it stinks to happen but it's probably the right call because why would you want to sit for hours upon hours anyways after student up for 30 minutes and play
1: that's true, and I mean, just imagine being a fan trying to wait six or seven hours for a game.
0: Yeah, a funny thing when I found out, I had to go I was watching the game. I'm like, oh, I had to go run a few errands, so I paused it after the, or no, I, yeah, I paused it after the the first touchdown. I'm like, oh, I'll be back in about 20 minutes. I come back, I'm like, oh, the game's canceled. What the, <laughs> what happened? But it, it sucks, but it it, it happened, right? Is that all we could say. Yeah. Uh, what's the other games we missed? We missed Nevada, Arkansas State, and the Hawaii Bowl and La Tech?
1: That's the Arizona Bowl.
0: Well, there's two bowls, right?
1: Yeah, the Arizona Bowl and the Hawaii Bowl.
0: So let's do the Hawaii Bowl really quick. Um, you probably already watched it. You probably heard about it, read about it months ago. We had our stuff on it. But my big two things about this game, which we'll go forward toward next year. Uh, well, one thing, John or Sarah didn't play because he had a hamstring pregame. So that basically hurt them very much in that game. Um, Hawaii needs offensive line to be anything special. Because they got sacked, what, a dozen times, it seemed like?
1: Uh, it was actually uh, nine sacks. Awesome. <laughs> Ten TFLs. And... You were over, actually. You were overestimating that.
0: Just a touch. Yeah, just a touch. Yeah, Jalen Ferguson had that huge game for La Tech. But two things. They switched quarterbacks, again, at the beginning. I'm like, Rolovich, what are you doing? And then they bring in a three-star guy, a pretty highly recruited guy from Utah to come in this coming fall. So mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know what they're going to do next year going forward, but the... Quarterback played poorly. They would not a good running game. The offensive line was tremendous against a good defensive line, but ended up being 31-14. I don't remember. I tried to think of too much happened, a couple turnovers, but switching to quarterbacks, it's like, come on, just stick with the guy.
1: So here, here's a question for you, that which which I think ties into something that's happened more recently since the, the Hawaii Bowl, which is that the fact that the program signed, him, signed Nick Rolovich to a two-year extension.
0: Mm-hmm. No raise, but just extension.
1: So – Considering what they've been able to do in his first three years, was that a good move or not, in your opinion?
0: Yeah, they started off six and one.
1: I, we, I mean, I, I think I would tend to agree. I was just curious. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. It's um,
0: it's what it does is two things. By Rolovich is like he's, two things it brings up. It's they're in for the long term, but it's also an extension. That's not. It's a reward, obviously, that two years, but it's not like you're getting a bump in pay be, just because. Yeah, he it's like, like we mentioned before, the Kentucky model, they kept um, Stoops there for what is he in near eight or something now? Mm-hmm. They didn't Kentucky is not very good at football. Typically, you rotate coaches, one contractor out four to five years. They gave him time to build something. Kentucky's actually pretty good at football now. Mm-hmm. And look what Hawaii's doing. It's like you give these guys, these guys time to recruit, time to bring in, especially when they change to the run and shoot, which looked well the first half of the year. We'll see next year because they lose one of the best receivers ever in John or but they have other guys coming in. Cedric Bird there. They have a couple guys coming back. It's a fine move. It just shows that, hey, we want you to be our coach and we see improvement and we don't want them dangling for the, like, the final year or two where it's like, oh, we have a poor season, but he shot up so quickly. Maybe we're being a tad too harsh on him for the way to end the season poorly, but it's the right. I think it's a fine move to do it's it's both it works for both ways it's not not extra money but it's also your security with the coach and your program you're not changing again after four to six years
1: yeah and i think i tend to agree like you mentioned how the offensive line and the bowl game was kind of let down well all five of their offensive linemen are coming back next year and let's not forget they were starting two freshmen and a sophomore mm-hmm. at three of those spots or sue is coming back or rather or sue was gone so is marcus armstrong brown but mm-hmm. And They're losing a little bit on the depth chart, but they're bringing back most of their productive receivers not only Cedric Burr but Jojo Ward Mm -hmm. and you know other guys that were coming up near the end of the year and They're not really losing that much on defense too. for me It's the the long-term question is going to be figuring out what to do on that side of the ball because when they were able to hold opponents down at least a little bit that was when they were really able to let the offense flourish it was when the offense was stifled that the defense really had a hard time keeping up. And yeah, I don't know if that's one thing that's going to turn around a one season, but that's something that I'm really interested in following in the next two to three years is how Rolovich of it solves that problem.
0: Yeah. It's been an issue because a couple of things when they go it on fourth and short fourth and two, and they go three and out quickly or just three and out because they do that. There's that, but also a couple of other things. Fred Holly's coming back, find Figure out what what happened with the running game because it worked well at uh-huh. the beginning of the year, but again, my defense is great. I think quarterback is a thing too. It's like maybe Cordero is was going to be the guy, but they have Cole McDonald's, what a sophomore. Uh, so, yes. So they have if Cordier is a freshman, McDonald's a young guy. They brought in the guy from Utah who's pretty highly regarded. Maybe he'll do something, but they're going to need to do something at the quarterback spot to stick with the guy. Or I, I guarantee if they. One one of those two guys are probably gonna transfer with it by the end of next season. You think so? Well, yeah, if you're I think so. Because they're both young. Yeah, they're both getting time, unless they find a great way to split time. I'd I'm pretty sure one probably would leave just because they've seen they could play, they've seen like Cordera, look what he did for his UNLV in that fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Near the end of the season, he did quite well to get them yeah, they won that game. I think that was their bull eligibility victory to get to seven but McDonald look how good it did in the first half so I don't know it's just going to figure something out but either you got to stick with a guy I, it's always crappy like with the Brett Rippin and Montel Cozart flipping guys around switching guys it never it rarely works and this was the worst example of that because Rolovich panicked early and went went to Cordero then went back and forth between McDonald and him and so I'm betting one will be gone but just stick with a guy it's like it's just because they want to play and they've seen they can play and the way you can transfer now, it's a little bit easier. You still have to sit out, but there's no restrictions essentially. Coach can't say can't go to school A, B, or C, but mm-hmm. that's I think that's what they want to figure out because the run and shoot, it's a lot of timing. Like I've yeah. seen it this year. I grew up watching the Houston Oilers with Warren Moon, ran the run and shoot. I did crappy junior high football where we did run and shoot offense <laughs> where, where, yeah, we're already good at it. You're what, four, 12 to 14, but it's a thing on, I remember one of the things like I, was tight end and whatever you're always timing it's always a timing thing and getting the reps in with the guys and that's what this offense needs going back and forth and that's for any offense but when you run run and shoot four to five wide you're going to be a timing offense and switching quarterbacks it's uh not the best recipe so i think they'll, I, th- I think the other overarching
1: thing to keep in mind is that this was really the first year where they were on un- where they were able to unveil the run and shoot so maybe it was inevitable that there were going to be some growing pains, and I. But I think you're right. If they can find one person to operate the offense going into next year, again, I think they'll benefit from a lot of continuity on that side of the ball.
0: Yeah, and we always say the thing. We'll get to it in our preseason stuff in next few down in May or June. But I always say it's like, yeah, I don't care if you have experience back, but it's be good experience. So the line, I'm still gonna be skeptical until they show it. But it's always. I'm not going to say it's a bad thing that you have five guys coming back who are going to start on the offensive line again. Or mm-hmm. it, Yeah, five, right? It's it's still a thing where, okay, they have the game experience, but they weren't good, very good last year. They're okay. There's times they were better than others, but I'm not going to necessarily bump them up two spots just because everybody's back, especially for a unit. Because, you know, it was bad. But if you go back to us years ago at the Wyoming team, they were terrible with Andrew Wingard. All these guys were true freshmen playing. They were just terrible. And now look how great they are. So Mm -hmm. maybe that offensive line for Wyoming in two years will be one of the best in the conference because they've played so many years together. And so um, it's not a knock, but it's still something to look at. But uh, should we just move on to the Arizona Bowl, which was, well, overtime spectacular?
1: (laughs) Maybe not the prettiest game in the world, but I think you'll take it if you're a Nevada fan, right?
0: Heck yeah. Apparently Nevada, they liked our all-bowl team because they wrote an article about it, so that's cool. Um, They were down, like, what, three wide receivers in this game?
1: Uh yeah, I think so, because Mannix had transferred out before the game, and then I think Caleb Bossum was injured during the game. Uh who else got hurt during the game. Brendan O'Leary Orange got hurt. Yeah. Romeo (laughs) Dobbs also got hurt. And so by you know the third and fourth quarter, they were throwing out guys that no one I mean no one unless you're paying really close attention to the Nevada program. Ben Putman. Ben Ben Putman.
0: Four catches, 114 yards only four catches all year
1: well not only him but Dominic Christian Mm -hmm. also had three targets three catches 31 yards uh (laughs) just going down the list of guys who were contributing, like uh, Reagan Roberson who Who? (laughs) and uh, who ended up scoring the game-winning touchdown in overtime Mm -hmm. so it gives me a little bit of hope about Nevada's future that I wasn't sure how the wolf pack would stack up because they're losing so much on both sides of the ball. And while I still do have a lot of questions that they're going to have to answer, I am encouraged by the fact that the guys they were able to put into place were you know, they were able to plug in and play. And even though it was, I wouldn't say the most efficient offensive game ever, yeah. they they were able to make plays when it counted, especially on especially on defense.
0: Yeah, three picks. Yeah, Ten TFLs, couple sacks.
1: But it, but it was the young guys on that side of the ball that really stepped up too. Like one guy we haven't really talked about a lot, for instance, is Dom Peterson, right there in the middle of the defense. Mm-hmm. In that game, he had two and a half tackles for loss, and he was a true freshman this year. Yeah, you know, he, so even though they're losing a lot of key pieces, like Corey Russian and, and Jairus McDade on that side of the ball, really you know, he, He's coming back. You know, Housey Asacona is coming back. They've got a lot of production coming back, and I think that if you're Nevada, if you're a Nevada fan, you can feel pretty good about their position to compete next year.
0: Do you think? I know it's super early because they do lose Ty Ganji, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. They do bring back Toa Tua, who could be the best running back in the conference heading into next year. Him and Juan uh, Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, this is gonna be a hot take, and here in January, is the defense gonna be really good next year? Maybe.
1: I mean, they do have a lot to replace.
0: i saying they have um, some guys who stepped up who never who didn't play much who had big games.
1: I think the biggest question will be how they replace pretty much everybody on the back line because they're losing. You know, and then not only lost Nephi Sewell to BYU on the mm-hmm. transfer, but Damian Baber's graduating, mm-hmm. Sonny Rufus is graduating, and well Jamon yeah, Jamon Dotson is graduating. So I think that's another that make their. From for right now, that might be maybe their second biggest question after who's going to replace Ty Ganji.
0: Okay, that's fair. I just like all these young guys. I forget how many they're losing. But it's they're getting better because they're bringing good recruits. They're guys, like you said, with a Peterson, true freshman, getting a couple sacks in that game, a couple TFLs, mm-hmm. and playing throughout the year. And it's nice to see the offense too. Like They bring in these guys who never played, and they step in right away. Yeah, Arkansas State, they're okay. They're a pretty good sunbelt team. But they still made plays because you could easily have all these. Like, what team is good with your four string re- receiver being your number two? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, if you have teams like you lose these guys who get hurt or transfer or whatever reason, don't play, these guys stepped up big. And so they'll be fine. Yeah, quarterback, and I guess that secondary is a pretty big issue. But in our preseason, which we'll talk next week, they're fifth in our preseason. Stupid early picks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which I. Made sure to quote, sure to be wrong. People don't take too much stock into stuff in January. <laughs> it's still mid-January. Yeah, this, I know. And so it's like we put those out. I'm like, oh, let's do some bold predictions. Let's do this. People like projections and predictions to fight and comment and argue on us uh, with us. But it's like, please don't take them super seriously because this was done before the draft de- deadline. Like, who knew Usafa? Oh, what's his name? I can never say his name for Wyoming, Decided to declare for the NFL draft.
1: Are you talking about Johanna Gaeth? Uh, Johanna
0: Gaeth, yeah, I think it's something completely different. But who would have thought he was going to? He probably wasn't going to be in Wyoming because he's looking at some Big 12 schools, but that was a shock that he was gone, and so this was made before that. But we'll see. Nevada, it's a it, – Matt, this is a rosy time of the year. We're going to probably talk positive about everything and then be completely wrong on other teams, right? Yeah, I don't see why not. Huh? We're, not be, we're not going to be negative on you unless you're Indiana football c- claiming to be good, right? <laughs> is, that, is that our segue? Go for it. Yeah, topic? exactly. But as well, Fresno losing their O.C., it is a pretty significant
1: development. Kalen DeBoer, Fresno State OC for the last couple of years, is moving on to the Hoosiers, to the Big Ten. And I think I threw the numbers out there on Twitter, so if you if you want to go dig into our tweets, you're more than welcome to do so. But essentially, what he did, not only with the Bulldogs, but before he came here to the Valley with Eastern Michigan, was he established a track record of revivals. You know, when, in his first year with the uh, the Eagles, for instance, they were dead last in the FBS in offensive S&P Plus. But by the time he left to come to Fresno State, they were right around the national average, which for a program that had been as moribund as EMU had been for decades, that's like a huge deal, you know? And he took an offense that had been ranked in the bottom 10 in the year before he arrived. And this year they were a top 30 offense by SP. Plus. So while stepping into that situation in Indiana may not be ideal because, you know, as much as we like to pump up the Mountain West, I think we can be objective and say that they don't have an Ohio State or a Michigan or a Penn State year in and year out, and DeBoer's going to have to deal with all three of those teams mm-hmm. every single season. You know, just aside from that, like, he he definitely – earned that kind of move and that kind of opportunity
0: so i'm looking at the usa today database real quick of assistant coaching salaries mm-hmm. he was making three basically 300 as their oc frozen mm-hmm. which is not too bad And go to indiana i think they have him listed here if i could pull it up real quick um who do, it's he's probably gonna make i don't have their exact uh who's i don't know who their oc was before is it mike the board
1: uh yeah
0: okay he made half a million Mm -hmm. Previously, So it's a decent bump in pay. Like it's a good amount. Um, As for prestige, like I guess you go to a bigger program. Like would you have made this type of move? Is it – was this the right time for him to move? Because here's a couple reasons why maybe yes. Quarterback's gone. Top receiver's gone. Your key offensive players are gone. So why not go? Because next year, Fresno State's still going to be good. They may not be as good offensively. There's a Mm -hmm. case to be made. They may take a small step back.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, then that's the thing, right? If you have the opportunity presented to you, I think whether you're a coach or a player. Take it. The, the, the answer remains the same. Like, you have to take it.
0: And we're not disparaging going to Indiana because it's a move where you probably have to think about it because, again, it's a school like you probably not What, one winning season in a long time? They yeah, win- it was
1: one winning season since 1995, I believe.
0: And I think the winning season, and Kevin Wilson's a pretty good coach. He'll get them back going there. And I know they played Utah. Well, he's, he's not the coach anymore, oh. is he? Oh, wait. I thought he was still now.
1: No, I think he left. Oh. Did he not?
0: <laughs> Maybe we should check out, but one of their winning seasons recently was against university they played universe, Utah, whatever this San Francisco bowl is, the red box bowl or fight hunger bowl that mm-hmm. whatever bowl that is. I thought he was still the coach. Um, oh no. He's at, um, see Ohio state now.
1: I honestly don't. This I'm is ch- how much we pay attention to Indiana. Football. I'm checking
0: it. No, he apparently is the Ohio state offense coordinator. I thought he was the Indiana head coach. Um, Get, I think okay. there was, if I
1: remember correctly, there was some kind of controversy, like off-field controversy. Oh,
0: okay, that's what it may have been. Okay, never mind. But uh, regardless, here's the thing about the job: it's like t- if you have the opportunity, to make more money, go to a bigger conference. Like, yeah, you're in the Big Ten, but again, you're you Indiana, which is what tenth out of fourteen typically.
1: Yeah, they're they you know middle of the pack at best.
0: Yeah, so if they ch- check do that in the conference, like, well, there's I guess what I guess what the theory is. If you go to Indiana, if you can put up decent numbers, get them, help them, get them to a bowl team, you'll get maybe a better OC job or a head coaching job somewhere, which is mm-hmm. fine. That's the progression. But I'm pretty sure this wasn't like a slam dunk all oh, to go to Indiana.
1: Well, if I remember correctly, I, I don't remember who tweeted it out, but DeBoer wasn't their first choice.
0: Interesting. I wonder who it was. So somebody turned that. I, I
1: didn't actually see the name. I just remember hearing about that.
0: That's. I whatever here or there, but regardless, it's a, it's we're not gonna like I said we're not gonna make fun of or say it's a bad move. But when people hop at our mentions and say it's a much better job, it's a much better program, I'm like, well,
1: dude, you're Indiana football.
0: Yeah, you are the beneficiary of being in a conference for sixty years that happens to have Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, you're in that league, you play those teams, but unless you start winning they do great things, like we could we could question like, okay, it's a. It is a better move for him career-wise, but don't come out and talk crap on other schools where your team does nothing.
1: Well, and the, the good news, if you're a Fresno State fan, is that, you know, not one, I guess a couple bits of good news. One, Tedford's shown a willingness to kind of think outside the box to bring in, uh, you know, coordinators and the like. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody knew about Orlando Steinauer, for instance, before he came in and wrecked things for a year. So... you know there's talk that they might just promote ryan grubb who came in from eastern michigan with DeBoer, to offensive coordinator because he was the run game coordinator for the team last fall and you know he for right now is the team's offensive line coach as well okay and and thankfully as far as i remember indiana doesn't have an opening for an offensive line coach right now so there's a chance he might be in line for promotion but at this point, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't underestimate any kind of potential move that Tedford might make.
0: Okay, all right, should we go into the next coaching coaching move? Yeah, let's do it. Lobos, not Bob Davy. Sorry to disappoint those who were hoping it's Bob Davy. Uh, they lost their offensive coordinator Calvin McGee to the Ole Miss. O- Ole Miss, so like, yeah, to be the quarterbacks coach mm-hmm. because Rich Rodriguez is the OC, so did he see some writing on the wall about the situation there? Because that is kind of a step that it, no, that is a step down being an OC to a quarterback coach. Well,
1: I guess that depends on how you look at it. Is it better to be the OC for a struggling group of five team, or is it better to be the quarterbacks coach for a power
0: five team? Uh, two ways to look at it. It's a good move because Bob Davies, not, I guarantee I noticed that last year. I'm like, he's not gonna be the coach after this year. There's Dirk contract. Whatever contract expires, he's done. There's no way he could stay. And I'm surprised. Well, I shouldn't be surprised with all the shadiness that New Mexico and the Lobo Club has been doing the past couple years. Bath mm-hmm. Paul Krebs, the sweet issue, situation, all sorts of covering up fights and crimes and stuff, allegedly, and all that stuff going on. Maybe I'll get out of town and go be a QB coach there. And if I do okay, I'll get back on track. But if he sticks around, and let's just say. New Mexico does okay. Here it's double-edged short. If New Mexico does great, and say they go nine and three next year, Davy's going to stick around, and he's no, I mean he's not like to take over. If mm-hmm. they do bad and Davy's fired, he, why is he going to take over that coach? So it's like go somewhere else where either fresh start far away. At, but as for career wise, it's like the progression, it's not there. But thinking two step, two to three steps ahead, why not go go to Ole Miss? Go with was it? Um, yeah, Rich Rodriguez, what he does offensively. See if they can get things turned around there in Ole Miss and start winning. And mm-hmm. then he'll get back and be an OC probably above the New Mexico level next job around. Maybe. Or even take over the OC job at Ole Miss because Rich Rodriguez isn't staying there for that long. He's looking to get back to be a head coach. Yeah, I think
1: you're probably right about that.
0: And so that way, I that way, think two or three steps ahead is fine. And in short term, it's it's fine, but it's just something where... He left because I think he knows crap is going down to Mexico because of just go read Ed Um Up Fishbowl or go listen to their podcast the past two months. You'll see what's going Mm -hmm. on. And their new hire is from Liberty. Yay.
1: Joe Daly.
0: Who's that, Matt?
1: Well, he was the offensive coordinator (laughs) and the quarterback's coach at Liberty. And it's not a bad hire, I wouldn't say, because... If Liberty was able to do one thing this year, it was able to score points at times. And we, we we saw a glimpse of them when they played New Mexico and beat New Mexico back in September. So I think it's an interesting fit because he ran a pretty balanced offense with the Flames last year. They threw the ball 49% of the time. So you're talking about a, about a 50-50 split, which is kind of an interesting deviation from what New Mexico was doing before, Mm -hmm. you know, because obviously they, they had a a step forward in their run pass ratio from from two years ago, though they tried to throw the ball more last year. And I would expect them to kind of take another step forward in that regard going into 2019. And it wasn't as though, you know, the quarter, the the passing game production wasn't bad. You know, Steven Calvert maybe threw more interceptions on the whole than you would like. He did have 18 interceptions, but he did have 21 touchdowns as well and he had about 13 yards per completion so if I think you're as if you're a Lobos fan looking for more of that kind of evolution of the passing game I think he's a name that's fine but I think the question that you're left wondering is you know the situation that he's leaving in Liberty is kind of similar to the situation that he's inheriting in Mexico where the passing game was maybe explosive if not efficient. And the running game was really, really iffy. Because if you if you just compare SP plus numbers, for instance, last year on the ground, Liberty was 122nd. Through the air, they were 87th, which I think owes a lot to where they ended up as far as offensive SP plus total. In the country they were ranked 88th, and which is fine. You know, a little bit below average. But I think it's going to leave kind of an open question for how are they going to answer the running game's woes that they really had this year, because if you if you can't run the ball, you're not going to be able to throw the ball as effectively as you want to.
0: True, but one interesting note, like you say, they're going to lean more toward the passing attack, which they've been doing. Like this mention from Bob Davy is like we still want to continue in the same direction we had under McGee with run past option schemes. Does Davy mm-hmm. know? Does Davy knows knows what he wants offensively? Because you're already moving toward passing. You like what McGee did, but you're the next coordinator way is a next step away from that, which is why you were actually good in the conference. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be good if they're going to be just a typical zone read or, you know what I mean? The type of passing attack. Like he says he wants to continue that same direction, but it seems like that's not the case. And he brings in a guy who does a little bit of that, but it's, I know it's not going to be what what they did with Bob did a couple years ago, but it seems like he wants to, I don't know I get the point you don't want to go in and just go from a it's like taking Navy to uh, what they do triple option or Air Force to go to a uh, run and shoot like Hawaii does that's a huge difference I get you don't want to do the extremes but it just seems to me he want, still wants to hold on to that I, I still know what Bob Davy's doing I'm not saying that hires bad but what Bob Davy wants to offensively it seems like he doesn't really know
1: I mean I think you're going to see more of what you saw in 2018 mm-hmm. which is more of a getting closer to 50-50, maybe like a 40-60 split between uh, throwing the ball and passing it. Or throwing the ball and running it, yeah. rather. <laughs> I just realized I said the same thing twice. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking for upside, you can point to the fact that Liberty was 35th in the country in scoring offense.
0: Yeah, they're pretty good, top third. But a,
1: but a lot of that had to do with putting up points against really iffy defenses. Like,
0: New Mexico. for instance, New Mexico. Or New Mexico State
1: or New Mexico State, or UMass. They yeah. put up 59 against UMass and still lost that game somehow. <laughs> um, or putting up 52 against Norfolk State, which is like, who cares, yeah. you know? I mean, I, I think, you know, I think it's an okay hire, especially if, if Davey wants to continue the evolution towards, you know, moving away from the triple option. But at the same time, you know, New Mexico doesn't have someone in the caliber of Antonio Gandy-Golden, who had over a thousand yards for Liberty last year through the air. And they probably don't have someone like Brinky Hickson who had over a thousand yards on the ground. So, you know, maybe that's a matter of you know doing a little more in recruiting. Maybe it's a little more, you know, unearthing and trying to find guys on the roster who can step up and provide that kind of explosive element. I'm not gonna knock the hire until I see a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Be, but if you're New Mexico, I think at this point, you're kind of hoping that that kind of move works out.
0: You do too. And my point was like, just reading what Dave was saying. It's like, why would you want to say you want to stick with that type of scheme? When you bring in a guy who didn't really do that type of scheme. And maybe he's just referring to more of the play action zone read stuff for option passing attack. Maybe, mm. maybe that's what he's actually meaning. But when he says he's the wants to lean in the same direction, he has been, you know what I mean? Like what the, what's the deal?
1: Yeah, I don't know. All I right, guess so we'll find out.
0: Let's go to San Diego State. There's a couple things here, football-wise. Um, they got the, here's, here's where it started about a week or so ago, or maybe two weeks ago. Ryan Agnew and Christian Chapman split time, even when Chapman was healthy later in the year. Mm-hmm. Which is, again, I hate it. It's weird. Stick with one guy. Agnew looked, what, meh? At times, okay? Not good? That's putting it, I
1: mean, from my point of view, that's putting it charitably. Yeah, I'm just but saying, he,
0: he wasn't great, which is my point. So Rocky Long comes out and says a while back, Agnew's a starter, but we're going to bring in a grand for to challenge him for the starting job. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound good.
1: Well, I think if you look back at Aztecs' recent history, it's been a little bit mixed. Because while Maxwell Smith, on the one hand, wasn't terribly exciting, mm-hmm. you know, he did exactly what you would expect an Aztecs quarterback to do, which is make just enough plays and mostly get out of the way for the running game. But then you look at, for instance, Chris Laviano, who came over from Rutgers a couple of years ago, and he didn't even make it to fall camp. I think.
0: I think he yeah, he, yeah, he was here and gone. Mm-hmm. So I get it, competition wise. But if he says he's the starter, here's the thing too: Agnew's been around for well, he's going to be senior for four years. He remember he had to bring in guys like Brian Lindley had to come back into town to help because mm-hmm. they're so thin at quarterback, and Agnew took all the reps and still didn't show anything. Mm-hmm. So it's like. He's, I get it. Hand the ball off to Juwan Washington. Pass the ball occasionally. Like their tight end, surprise, he's for the NFL draft. Could be like a third round pick. It's like you had this mm-hmm. guy on your team. You don't give him the ball more than however not many catches this year. But I get it. It's like he's like every chance you'll have in the spring to the, to get the job. But it's like I get bringing guys in, Juco's, your grad transfers. But he specifically mentioned bring in to compete for the starting job. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bringing a guy just to kind of push him or give him some competition to whatever. But it's like he actually said to give him the chance to be the starting job. And this guy's not going to come in until fall camp. And so how bad would it be if he gets into fall camp and then, oh, you lose the job? (laughs)
1: Well, there's there's a couple of things. One, which I think is pretty interesting considering San Diego State's recent history, is that Rocky Log has come out and talked about using the spread formation a little more often.
0: Yeah. But he also said triple options like the best offense you could use as well. (laughs) (laughs) but the spread it'll be a continuous that i read that too about the spread attack they want to kind of implement
1: but i think that if you consider what agnew brings to the table if you adjust for sacks for instance he didn't run the ball that often he's only credited with 39 carries but he averaged almost seven and a half yards per run so we know like he even if he's not the most accurate passer he was able to do things here and there with his legs as well so i think that kind of conversation is something that if agnew is the one who eventually wins the starting job he could probably benefit from that you know if you know they throw more receivers out there but it opens up lanes for him to, to run every so often we saw that work here and there against them you know one of the things that i think it was kirk Kenny of the san diego union tribune pointed to was the fact that in the bowl game for instance Ohio ran all over the Aztecs. And it wasn't just their running game, A.J. O'Lette. It was Nathan Rourke who did a lot of uh you know, he had nine carries, forty four yards, two touchdowns in that win. So I I do think that that kind of open mindedness toward rethinking what they want to do on offense will benefit them. And the other thing is that they actually did bring in a guy, mm-hmm. not a grad transfer, but a JUCO guy the other day.
0: Yeah, spring he could be eligible for spring uh practice in he led his JC team to a state championship, and it is uh, – where would his name go? I had it in front of me right Jordan here. Jordan Brookshire. There it is, Jordan Brookshire. I was looking at the headline. I'm like, wait. So he'll come in. He's going to be confident. so I'm going to start. I'll compete. Do great. Let me ask you this, man. If they go to that spread attack, which it's good. Like If they're going to have a competition, have a guy in spring to do something, Which because mm-hmm. it would look really bad if the guy came in. I don't – I assume if they're getting – let me back up here. I assume if they're getting a Juco guy, they're not going to get a grad transfer as well. That would kind of make ah. sense.
1: I would think not. I mean, I, you never know, you never but, know, but... with the, especially with the other options that they still have on the roster as well. You know, now all of a sudden you're talking about three or four guys who could compete for the starting spot.
0: Yeah. So have him come in, go during spring and do his stuff. But here's the thing. They want to go to spread attack, which means what more passing, right?
1: At least just a, a modest shift toward that, or at least presenting different looks for them to be able to do what they usually do, which is run the ball.
0: Sure. That's a possibility. Just um, to point this out, San Diego State's le- leading returning receiver is Tim Wilson. Would you like to guess how many catches he had last year?
1: Uh, Probably like 30-something.
0: Oh, you're generous. 19.
1: Was it that much? Oh, well, he had 38 targets at least. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> That's not catches. That's their leading. They did have somebody. They did have Fred Travillion who had 22 receptions who led the team. Mm-hmm. So it's like if they're going to go to some sort of spread attack, you got to, maybe these guys can catch the ball. Maybe their catch rate's amazing. Like 22 or 39. That's, or not 22. What do you say? Yeah. Whatever. 19 to 30 something. That's whatever you want to be about what? 60% is a good pat catch rate. He did have three touchdowns, mm-hmm. but like, if you're going to say you want to throw the ball more, have guys who can actually catch the ball. I don't yeah, know. I mean, I, I think, if,
1: I, I think if you want to, for instance, let's go back to the Ohio comparison again. Mm-hmm. Do you know how often the Ohio actually threw the ball last year? I'm not sure now. Just on a scale of 1 to 100. Just take a while to stop. Percent-
0: percentage-wise, you mean? Yeah. Oh, 40%? Well,
1: it was less than that. Okay. They, they actually threw the ball less often than San Diego State did. They only threw it 36.3% of the time, which is 122nd in the FBS. But a lot of what made that offense work was the fact that Nathan Rourke was able to make plays with his arm and with his legs. And I think that... If Agnew can improve just a little bit, which uh, admittedly I'm still a little bit skeptical of, or if this new guy Brookshire that they're bringing in can make the same kind of effective plays that he did at Laney College because he he completed 63% of his passes, but he also averaged five yards per carry on the ground, and he ran it about 150 times last year. That, I think, is the kind of performance that they need to make that kind of shift work it's not necessarily a shift toward throwing the ball more. that's going to make it work. It's just Mm -hmm. presenting a different face to the kind of offense that they're accustomed to to putting out there.
0: That could could work as well because they lose lose a couple offensive linemen. But a couple of things, like if you're going to that shift, say because that means there's no more fullback likely, they're probably gonna have a tight end. who's going to be an H back and they're doing kind of line up in motion, maybe add a blocker on the, one of the sides like Mm -hmm. university of Utah does that. They, Want to run the ball, but they still – which frustrates the end for me because they're bringing back Andy Ludwig which, oh, geez, that's another story for something else not here. But I thought he got hired at Vanderbilt. He he left Utah. Utah hired him, so he's back at Utah. Oh. <laughs> he spent two years at Vanderbilt, I believe. So he's back at Utah because that's the most vanilla, lame hire ever. But, again, I can talk about it. But my thing is, watching Utah play, they still trying to st- cl- slowly or closely stick to what Urban Meyer did like a decade ago mm-hmm. where – They still want to show the the spread attack, but run the ball a lot. And it's worked okay here or there. Not amazing, but I just think if you want to run the ball, why do a three-receiver, one tight end, one back set? Why do you need to be in shot? I know you can do more looks. Same, Same reason they do pistols. Same reason they'll do the diamond formation, all these different teams. But if you want to run the ball, Aztecs have been extremely successful with it. I get it. Maybe they want to use Agnew's feet to do some different opportunities. But here's the thing. If you're running the ball, you're running the ball. If you're going to go to a spread, you are going to, by theory, or actuality, you should be throwing the ball a little bit more. And he still can't throw the ball very well.
1: I mean, maybe. I think if you look at the teams in the Mountain West who were actually running the ball best on a per-play basis last year, mm-hmm. you can see that they all do it a little bit differently. Like, for instance, Utah State was number one in rushing offense last year. Five and a half yards per carry. They were running out of the spread all the time. But they combined that with like you know a very fast tempo in order to keep opponents off balance you know same thing with UNLV they were running a lot of three and four wide receiver mm-hmm. sets Wyoming was almost the exact opposite they were third in the conference and by the end of the year it was basically Sean Chambers and Nico Evans and pretty much nothing else well, and then of course cool. Air yeah. Force runs the triple option mm-hmm. so I, I think I would I would object to the point that there's one right way to do it
0: I just mean they're changing the way they've, that's been successful it seems like they're changing just the switch to switch the quarterback which maybe it'll work fine I'm just saying that look what's worked for you. I know the end of the year didn't go great. They had injuries to running backs and quarterbacks. Maybe this will be a good evolution for their offense to show more looks. Because I've said forever, if San Diego State could run basically their same consistency or efficiency level, but add in an average passing attack, they would be dominant in the conference. Maybe this is the move they need to make to, to see that.
1: I mean, I think when you consider the drop-off that, they had on the ground last year compared to, to years before that. And and we'll talk more about that at length as we get more to team previews and more off-season stuff, but I'm just going to throw it out there that they were 92nd in rushing S&P Plus this year. They were 110th in offensive stuff rate. So the ground game wasn't working to the same degree than it had been in years past. Mm-hmm. And maybe more to the point, they were 8th in the conference in yards per carry with 405 and that's a far cry from what they were doing in the three or four or five years before that. Mm-hmm. So if I'm rocking along and I'm, and I'm thinking ahead to what this conference is going to look like and what my running game can do, I've got no problem with something like that.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I just, I don't know, I've said it a million times. I'm just saying, like, if you have a chance to, or not a chance, but the way you've been doing it, maybe, maybe it is just a little tweak. Maybe they'll still pass it to only 2% more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it also doesn't help, like, the running game. I hope it's not reactionary to that bad season, running the ball, because, again, Washington was hurt. Tyler Romer got kind of kicked off the team. There was injuries on the offensive line that typically didn't hurt them the past couple of years. And so maybe – I just hope it's not an overreaction. But I'm just – it just seems a little skeptical because Agnew hasn't been a great quarterback. He's ran a little bit. Maybe the play, the plays obviously weren't meant for him if they're going to switch a little bit. And you, you I'm not saying you can't run the ball with three wide outs or – and two, you know what I mean, or two running backs, two wide outs, no tight end. It's just different. Again, if it's why, if it's not broken, maybe it is kind of broken. Why fix Change it. But I just don't, I hope it's not a reaction move to, we ran the ball poorly last year. We had injuries. So let's change this. And hopefully it's just a tweak to a change where they could still run the ball well. It's just, I don't know, they've been doing it so well. That's why I'm kind of hesitant. Why make the move when you, you're not bringing in new coaches to make this change either? It's still your same staff.
1: Yeah, I get where you're coming from. But I think it also helps that kind of like we talked about with Hawaii a little bit ago, they're not losing that much Yeah. Up, up front. Like they're losing a couple of pieces, but that's another place where they've recruited really well in the last couple of years too. So, you know, they've, I think they've got, what, a three-star guy coming up at left tackle and Desmond Besant. They've got another, what, how many other people are they losing up front? I think that's it, right? Well, I- and, and uh, Romer.
0: I believe that's it. Yeah, just the two, I think.
1: And they're bringing just about everybody back on the running game, not only Washington, but, Chase Jasmine's coming back, Chance Bell's coming back, Jordan Bird is coming back. I'm not expecting a complete overhaul. I'm just – I think they're trying to diversify the offense a little bit, and I think that if I was an Aztec fan, I would say that's a good move.
0: All right, now that makes sense. It's just – I hope it works out for them. It's just people – whatever. I've already said it a million times. Let's oh, Maybe the tweak again, like Hawaii going to run and shoot is enough of a change where it surprises people and they beat up on whoever early in the off season, preseason. So mm-hmm. any other news we need to go through for this, a newsy type podcast, the reunion is back. The show. I
1: think as far as recent big headlines, that's just about it.
0: Got the you had an East West shrine game over the weekend.
1: That's true.
0: Urban played quite well. You had run like I said, Tarver played well. You had who else? There's about eight, six or eight. I did a quick recap or not recap kind of a scouting report on the guys from around the web who went to that, uh, yeah, who were there to see stuff. Um, this weekend, though, Senior Bowl. We will have it's some fun. Well, yeah. Here's what you need to know: at Senior Bowl, and we're not going to dive too deep into. It. I did a quick write up about guys. Like, also one website that's kind of new. Do you ever visit the Draft Network, Matt? I do. It's a new site. I forget who used to where they used to be before, but it's like amazing. So that's where I got some of my info. You have, uh, yeah, the it's, it's the DraftNetwork.com. They have a Senior Bowl hub there. Check out their stuff; they're amazing. I think we've had some of their guys on our podcast before. I don't recall who, but I'm pretty sure. Um, they have a ton of stuff. We got Josh Oliver, San Jose state, Dax Raymond, Utah state. And then Carl Granderson, they're all out there. Senior bowl. We'll have some updates like team visits, uh, who's visiting with who, who's doing what, but it looks like B- Dane Bugler, the athletic, that bounce around, like John Oliver, Josh Oliver, excuse me. Number nine, overall tight end might be picked. Dax Raymond's in that mix. But here's the thing. If you're at the senior Bowl, you're probably getting drafted. Mm-hmm. So look out for that. Uh, Oh, hey, our all-time teams. How's that coming along? Asking myself, uh, sort of okay. I it's, think it's coming along okay. It's sort of coming along because I'm working on it, and I've been behind a couple days. But we're doing that. We'll wrap up with this. We're doing our all-time Mountain West teams. We've done Air Force and Boise State. Depending when I post is, I'll probably post up ASAP. I got another something else we'll post later. But we'll have all – here's what we're doing. Air Force up, Boise State up, CSU, Fresno State, every team, even TCU, BYU, and Utah will be in the mix. I'm excited to see Matt the all-time all-conference team over 20 years. That's gonna be fun. How, how far are you along on your Fresno State picks? Have you submitted any picks to me yet? <laughs> <laughs>
1: if I'm being totally honest, I have not.
0: That's fine because I'm behind it. Fresno's coming up later this week, <laughs> uh, but that'll be exciting. To, like here's the, like here's the thing: Boise State. I'll talk. Me and Raj are doing a little show later today talking about Boise State stuff. But there is a big fight on Twitter between like Doug Martin, Jeremy McNichols and Jay of who should make that first team.
1: It's honestly hard to go wrong with any one of them.
0: And that doesn't even count for Alexander Madison as well. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I was surprised on this, Doug Martin got the most votes on Twitter. I think that's more nostalgia than anything. Because he well, looked, also,
1: Doug, well, also, Doug Martin was really good.
0: Well, and also, But he also only played one year in the Mountain West, and that's all we're considering. So those mm-hmm. transition years for Boise State, because that was their heyday, like Kellen Moore, second team quarterback. How's mm-hmm. that possible? Well, played one year. So... We have all that coming up. We're going to try to do some all-time game stuff. Uh, what are we doing for our next show? We need to decide and get back on a schedule here, sort of. Uh, I
1: have no idea, to be honest.
0: We will discuss offline, but our plan, and I stress plan, is a, a, what, once a week? Yeah, I think so. We will figure it out. We will try to be consistent, um, whether it me and Matt record a bunch before and put them out once a week. We'll figure something out, but I will say this. Our next show will be looking back at our big hit or misses for the year. Is that good enough? sounds good so look at picks so if you want to tweet in anything um, MWC Wire about if you, or old takes you want to get them tagged along with us they freezing old takes exposed because we're terrible at picks on some parts some good some not good um, also we need to figure out Matt who your team is to be 8th place to win a bowl go to the bowl game next year too
1: Yeah, that's true. Who who do I think is going to win two games and ultimately make a bowl game?
0: That will be much lighter down the road. But next week we'll kind of look back at the year, maybe look at some best games a little bit, kind of bad predictions and stuff like that. And we'll probably be doing that about a week after you hear this. We'll figure something out and get going here. But, again, check us out, MWR.com. we got hoops. we got football, random football stuff. Because, you know what, Matt? February means San Diego State spring football. Exactly, and so we'll we'll get on we'll get all over that stuff, and just keep hanging out. And if you like the show, leave a review, tweet at us, then say hey, glad you're back, and we'll see you next time.